I would like to invite uh, Bethesda Church uh, to stand before the Lord in honoring the Word of God as we are uh, reading. I will just read uh, Isaiah 53 from 1 through 6 as time is running out. And it's a very well-known and beloved uh, passage of the uh, Old Testament uh, coming from the lips of Isaiah, the prophet who was inspired by the Spirit of God, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed, glory to God. And we like sheep had gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Please be seated. As uh, Brother Simi reminded in the beginning of the service this morning, let me say also, happy 29th birthday, Bethesda. Happy birthday, Bethesda. Today... Glory to God is the 29th anniversary since a group of 13 families, about anywhere from 40 to 60, but that was on a good, on a good uh, Sunday, up to 60. The choir, the band, we, we were the whole church pretty much, and a few more uh, you know, elderly that ne didn't participate in any of, of uh, band of, or, uh, of the band or the choir. Uh, Looking over the church, I realized that we are left about only four or five families from the initial 13 families, the founder of the church. But thank God for 200 plus families that today Bethesda numbers uh, close to 800 or so with children. To glory be all, to God be all the glory. To God be all the honor. Remember how we were just, you know, so few. And we were asking brothers and sisters, families, when it was a wedding to another church, please don't go to, to that church. Just go to the reception hall because if, you know, half of us would have gone, we would have been like uh, rarer than the, the gold of Ophir, you know. It was, we were so few of us. But God was with us. God was with us. Glory to God. In the few minutes that I have left uh, to, uh, to preach the word of God, I'm, I'm going to ask the, uh, the brothers at uh, AV to put, I'm trying every time uh, at the Lord's Supper to uh, put also the main ideas in Romanian. Din respect pentru fratis Roland Vârstă, just to help. But the title of my message this morning, uh, I'll, I apologize, it's going to be uh, uh, 
you know, just uh, a sketch of it, uh, is why did Jesus have to die? De ce a trebuit să moară Isus? Those are some questions that uh, maybe those who think and, you know, we contemplate and meditate, uh, ask ourselves and ask God. And maybe we were asked, I'm sure I was asked by non-believers and uh, people that uh, uh, are atheists, uh, some question like this, why did Jesus need it to, to die in order to reconcile uh, us to God? Why couldn't God simply forgive us without Jesus' sacrifice? Uh, why did Jesus have to leave heaven, come to earth, live a perfect life, and then be tortured, tortured, crucified to die on a Roman, Roman cross and then resurrect three days later? Why? Well, as we read the scripture, the gospel especially, we learn that Jesus was a very good man. High morals. I mean, the, those who knew him, even the enemies, they actually talked about his integrity. He did good to all around him. Uh, he, wasn't, he couldn't be bribed. He couldn't be pressured, threatened, or intimidated. He healed the sick, restored sight to the blind. He raised the dead and preached the good news to the poor. And the common people, the poor people, loved him. So why did Jesus end up dying on a Roman cross? And this is not a theoretical question. It's actually a very practical one. And we'll look to Isaiah 53 because no other biblical passage can help us more than in our understanding of God's purposes with us, with human race, than Isaiah 53. Charles Spurgeon actually declared that Isaiah 53 is the Bible in miniature, the gospel in its essence, because through the eyes of the Spirit of God, Isaiah seemed like he was on a front row of everything that happened there, on a Golgotha. The way he depicts and the way he describes what happened in Isaiah 53, we feel that Isaiah was a witness of what happened. Although he had written 700 or so years before Jesus' birth. And as we look at uh, these verses that we just read, let us notice, and I put a list of how many times Isaiah uses the pronouns? Ours, we, us, nostre, dur our griefs, our sorrows. We esteem him not. Our transgressions, our iniquities brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. We, we, us, ours. And it's all about us. We cannot miss the full weight of what the, the prophet Isaiah is writing, the truth from God's perspective, what Jesus has done, what he did for us, Jesus suffered for us, and he died for us, the pain, the brutality, the humiliation, he did it all for you and me, for us as a human race. 
There's no question, no if or buts about it. Of course, from a human perspective, someone would say that Jesus was betrayed. He was tried, beaten, mocked, humiliated, crowned with thorns, falsely accused, put to death through the most horrible way of killing people in those times. His flesh was shredded to pieces. He was forced to carry his own cross, although his, his back was all ground, like ground meat. And he had to carry that heavy piece of timber that the cross was made out of and that push against his wounds. You might think from a human perspective that on that day, Satan and the kingdom of darkness has triumphed over God and the kingdom of light. But however, let's remind ourselves what the Bible is reminding us through, this, through the word that, the Bi that Jesus laid down his own life and no one took it from him. Everything that Jesus has done has done for us. He was not forced. He was not led to the cross against his own will. Actually, John chapter 19 verse 11 reminds us through the words of Jesus when he talks to Pilate, when Pilate was trying to get some words, some testimonies out of the mouth of Jesus, Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it has been given you from above. The entire Roman army, all the officers that were in, in charge to, with the protection of the religious government in Israel at Jerusalem, all those uh, soldiers that were hired by the high priest that actually arrested Jesus, all of them were, would have not been able to arrest Jesus un, unless they were allowed to. They were given the authority to arrest Jesus. And all of these lead us to understand as Isaiah 53 from 4 to 6 describes the prophetic words, we must conclude that Jesus died on purpose. It was all planned in God's heart, in God's mind. It was all prepared by the wisdom of God, by the counsel of God. It was nothing by accident. You and I are in that group of we. We have sinned. We turn our backs unto God. We despised our creator. The more we personalize, and this is something that I invite you to do alongside with me. It helps me immensely. The more I personalize the gospel, said, Lord, I'm so thankful and grateful that you have left the heaven, the glory of heaven, and you died for me. For me, Romy Pele. 
personalize the gospel. Let the word of God penetrate your heart. Let your emotions, yes, why? It's nothing wrong that you, our emotions, not only our faith, our emotions are engaged and to be passionate about loving Jesus and passionate about serving Jesus because he had died for you and me. And I'm, I want to just remind three important things why did Jesus have to die? The Chatrabuit Samara Isus. Number one, Jesus took our pain. Verse four says, Surely Jesus, the Messiah, had borne our griefs and cared our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. When Isaiah speaks, please observe with me what, of what Christ has done for us, he does not start with our sins. He starts with our infirmities, with our sickness, what sin has done to us, and how much it affected who we are, distorting our nature, our thinking, our emotions, our passions, our affections. And how those infirmities actually acted upon our human relationships, starting with our marriages, our friendships, the relationship between parents and children, between generations. The text says that Christ has borne our griefs. And this is the Hebrew word, nasha which means to lift up and carry away a heavy load. It is the same verb, nasha, that was used in Leviticus 16 when the scapegoat, the second one, after all the sins of the people of Israel were laid upon that scapegoat, he was cast out into the desert and probably the next minute he was completely devoured by the beasts of the desert. Jesus took upon himself. He was not the scapegoat, but he was the Lamb of God. Upon whom all of my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world were laid upon him. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. He didn't have to do that. I'm sorry. Let's think in a realistic way. God did not have to do that. He could have said, you know what? Whatever you chose, Adam and Eve, and all of your progeny, all of your children and grandchildren, all the generations that came after you, you chose that. I have no obligation to save you, to save your skin, to save your soul. But God is love. Hallelujah. We see when Jesus came down from heaven, he left behind his glory and became one of us. He entered this cursed world. We see in Jesus not a God who is far off. We see in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Who came to die in our place. And this is second thing that we need to understand. That why Jesus had to die is he took our punishment 
in verse 5, we are told that he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was pierced with nails and spears. He was crushed by his wounds. Maybe some people read... And sometimes we all read too fast through the scripture, to the gospels. Do we realize that from about uh, midnight when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and until the, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon when he took his breath, the last breath, there were about 12 to 14 hours of torture. About 12 to 14 hours when his flesh was ripped to pieces. He was humiliated. He was spit on. His beard was pulled out. He was mocked. You are the king of the Jews. The crown of thorns was pushed down and the scalp and the, the forehead was all bleeding. Was not one square inch on his body that was not bleeding and cut. By those scorpions. But the death of Jesus was not the end of the story. An outsider could see, could look at Jesus. Who's this guy? He's a failure. He's a nobody. He's maybe just going to become a, a footnote in a manual of history of humankind but the story didn't end didn't end on a cross glory to god on sunday morning by the power of god the spirit of god quickened christ back to life and jesus resurrected he was raised again from the dead demonstrating our Father's love for all of us. He, he fulfilled, perfectly fulfilled the Father's will, although Satan and his cohorts in the darkness didn't know. And that's why we have peace with God. That's why we have also the healing of our souls, of our bodies, of our relationships. And the third thing why Jesus had to die is because he took my place. He took our place. Like sheep have gone astray, we all have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. When I've, I've been reading over and over, it's just kind of echoed in my mind, this verse, like a combination of Romans 3.23 that says, we all have sinned and we fell short of the glory of God. And John 3, 16, for God so much loved the world. The love is you and me, my beloved. The world is us that God loved. And Ephesians 2, 1, we are being reminded that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked following the course of this world. But verse 4 says, but God, dar but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Because in his resurrection, we have our own resurrections. 
Because I live, Jesus said, you will also live. Glory to God. It was not a mistake of history. Is Isaiah 53.10 says, it was the will of God that crushed him. He has put him to grief. My beloved, if anybody in this room, in this sanctuary, has not yet received Christ as your personal Savior, today you heard the gospel that Jesus, that God your Father, the creator of your soul, of your spirit, of your body, is, has loved you immensely in Christ Jesus when he allowed him, not me or you, to die on a cross. Because the wages of sin is death. But in Christ he has given you and me the possibility to be born again to be adopted in God's family. And for all of us who are saved, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, in the blood of the Lamb, and born from the Father, let us adore him. Let us worship the Lamb of God, Jesus. Let be delightful and worship the Holy Spirit. Let us never forget how much God had loved us in Christ. And this is the purpose of the Lord's Supper, to commemorate, to remember what Jesus has done for you and me on the cross. Glory to God. Amen.